0: Hey guys, thanks for checking out today's message. We're so glad that you joined us. We consider resources like this one to be supplemental. So if you not have a church home and live in the greater Savannah area, we would love to invite you to one of our locations. If you're blessed by today's message and would like to invest into the life and ministry of City Church, you can do so by visiting citychurch.life and clicking give. Our hope is that you'll be blessed and encouraged as we dive into today's message. All right, confident. And uh, we're going to be uh, pri- primarily hovering in Philippians chapter three. So, uh, before we get there, there, there. If you do a word search uh, on confident, what you're going to find is that there is there's a lot of passages that use this word confident. Or, uh, and and again, you know, we talk about the we use the ESV uh, for our primary teaching version here. Uh, it's the only continuously uh, translated version of the bible meaning that, that every couple of years they're going back to it most translations get you know maybe a revision every 10 to 20 years and the esv is is just really active at making sure we're looking at the most recent uh, manuscripts this does not negate uh, other translations of scripture i would argue that uh for the most part uh you know, any translation that is uh, uh available to you on most uh bible apps uh most most of the time, the, everything that's on there is going to be good for you. So if you find one that's easy to read, easy to study, that's fantastic. Part of what we want to be able to do from the platform here uh, on Sundays and when we're teaching is we want to make sure that we're creating something that that individuals understand, but we're also wanting to make sure we're trying to be as close to word-for-word word as we can to what was said. So we're not trying to, when we when we look at Scripture, we're not trying to add or take away anything. And sometimes when we get into some of the paraphernalia paraphrased uh, versions of scripture or even if they're just partially paraphrased we run into the risk of that because that means that somebody had to sit there and make a call on how they interpreted it so we really try to uh, to focus in and so I I say that because this idea of confident translates different uh, into different words in different translations so it might say confident in the NIV it might say sure in the ESV. In fact, we'll come to one of those in a moment. But let's begin here in First John uh, chapter 4, verse 17. We're just gonna cover a couple just to kind of get this idea in us. Uh, verse 17, by this, uh, by this is love perfected with us so that we may have confidence for the day of judgment because as he is so also are we in this world. So uh, John writing here, says that, 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 that uh, love is perfected with us so that we can have confidence, right? So there's something about the importance of us being people who have confidence. And so having no confidence uh, is a dangerous place to be. So if you have zero confidence, then the first thing I want to challenge you on tonight is, is to start having the conversation with somebody on how you correct that. Uh, and, and I can sit here and tell you that you should have confidence, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be honest with you. The truth is that if you have such low self-esteem that tonight you're going, I just have no confidence in anything I do, you you probably need some accountability. You probably need to be talking to somebody to work through some things because you, first of all, as a child of God, are missing something, right? Because if Jesus sacrificed himself on the cross, then that love, right, is made perfect inside of us as his followers, so we can have some confidence in the fact that uh, that he's coming for us. So let's look here in Philippians chapter 1. Here's a good example of where from the KJV, NIV, it, it translates a little bit different here in verse 6. It says, and I am sure of this. So in another translation, it might say, I am confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ, right? So there's a confidence that is present here uh, as Paul is writing to the church in uh, uh, Philippi. Uh, Ephesians chapter three, verse 11. This was according to the eternal purpose that he has realized in Christ Jesus our Lord in whom we have boldness and action access with confidence through our faith in him here's what I'm, I'm trying to get across just by covering a few scriptures and then we're going to talk about it is that there's a there is a uh, a there's a a a a pathway or a highway uh, that flows through confidence when it is a biblical form of confidence. And in order to get to that place, we have to do a little bit of, uh, we need to look at what are the cultural ideas behind being confident today. Uh, because a lot of times we will take a Western idea or a Western approach, just, just let's not even say, what, let's just say we will take a 2019 approach to something, a word and we will use the the modern definition of that and we'll just we'll just ram that right through scripture and make it mean what we want it to mean so uh so 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 are you a confident person right so you need to answer that question inside right now do you feel like yeah I'm confident I'm confident in what yes or no I'm a confident person or do you wrestle with that now uh uh, who who comes to mind when you think Think of confidence. When you think of somebody who's confident, who comes to mind? Is it a celebrity, a politician? Is it a business owner? Is it a family member? Uh, who comes to mind? And then why do you see them as being confident? Now, I would venture to say that if you're giving any thought to this right now and you're thinking about people who you think are confident it's because you're going off of this definition of confidence and that is a feeling of self-assurance arising from one's appreciation of one's own abilities or qualities the idea being that I am confident because I am achieved I am capable I am somebody who has done something and Somehow in our society, the idea of confident of being confident builds out of what we see as being uh, uh, who we are. And so when we answer the question, am I confident, and we say no, right, uh, it's because we're measuring confidence against who we see ourselves as being. Uh, and if we answer yes, the risk could be, are we saying yes because we see... Who we are and what we're capable of. Yet, what we find with the word confidence throughout scripture, and I gave three really quick illustrations of this, is that it has nothing to do with my own capacities. So, the idea of being confident as a believer is not tethered to uh, who I am. So, culture equates confidence with accomplishment. Okay? Uh, This is what culture is. It equates the idea of confidence with accomplishment which tethers confidence to our capacities." So, because we see somebody as being confident based on their achievements, then we begin to look inward and we look at our own capacities, and then we begin to measure our own confidence. Am I confident? Yes or no? I'm measuring that based on what I believe I'm capable of. And where do those measurements come from? Those measurements come from the people who we see in the world around us who excel at something, and then we look at the people who are terrible at something, and then we see where do I land in the in the midst of that. And if I land at some place where I feel like I'm safe, then I walk in confidence, right? And and this is the the idea. Uh, So meaning that our confidence is in our abilities. And so when we think about a 2019 idea of being confident, we think about it from a perspective of what I am capable of doing, right? So somebody says, do you feel like you can do this? And you say, I'm confident I can. Why? Because I know my abilities. I know that I'm capable of doing this. And so if I feel like I'm not capable of doing this, I'm going to walk out the door with my head held low and I'm going to beat myself up and I'm going to feel like I'm no good. But if I feel like I've got the capacity, I'm going to walk out the door with my shoulders back and ready to take on the world because I think that I'm capable of doing this this thing. So, this idea of confident from a twenty nineteen perspective doesn't line up with what we see in scripture, right? So, uh, the question that I've got for uh, for us tonight, or the question that we need to answer, is what good is misplaced confidence? So, you can be a really confident person, but if you are confident in the wrong things, is it any good? Is being confident in your own capacities to do something, does that add value to your eternal position? Does it add value to the kingdom of heaven? Now, I'm not telling you that you should walk out of here today and just give up on things and not have confidence. Your self-worth is different than where you place your confidence you understand that? Knowing what my value is as a child of God and what he's equipped me to be able to do is different than where I place my confidence. When I answer the confidence question, if I answer it going, oh yeah, I'm confident I can do that because I'm the best skateboarder in the room, right? Or I'm confident I can get up there and lead worship because I've got a great voice, right? Then then what I'm doing is, is I'm I'm laying the confidence that I have against talents that I have. I'm not... I'm not laying my value into those things, right? I believe, think about the difference in the way this sounds, right? I'm confident that I can, that I can lead worship because I have a good voice. Or, hey, I believe I can add value to the worship because God's given me a voice to sing. And you just think about the way that those things are phrased. Now, now this is not a new problem. This is a problem that was affecting the church. And so Paul actually is going to write and address this for us. But you need to know this, confidence does not negate ignorance. Just because somebody's confident, it doesn't mean that they're right. And just because you're confident about something, doesn't mean that you're really ignorant when it comes to it. And I I just, I think that this is, there's no easier way to illustrate this than to just look at what's happening with the political divide in the United States today and the things that people say without fact-checking, without going and doing the research and knowing what they're talking about, and yet they say it with total confidence, right? They say it with total confidence, and why is that? Because they are confident that what they believe is right with no evidence for it. So confidence can be really dangerous, and just because you see somebody who's confident does not mean that they are not ignorant. And you have to be careful of that because a lot of times we mistake confidence with being, especially in the church world, confidence with being godly, being in line with what God's teaching or expecting. I'm going to tell you, like I don't consider myself to be old, but I have lived enough life to be disappointed by some people that I thought walked with a tremendous amount of confidence in the faith. And it turned out that they were just confident in their own capacities, and they weren't really confident in in, in their savior. And so, what happens is, is because they're confident, they can, they can, and, and this is for me, right? They, they can grow a church, and I can sit here and begin to go, man, that person's doing exactly what we're doing, and look at that, man, they're just booming. Now, is that a measurement of of uh, of? of God's faithfulness in my life. I make it a measurement of God's faithfulness in my life, but God doesn't. And just because it's booming doesn't mean that they're in sin, but it also doesn't mean that they're not. And, and, and what I'm saying is, is that I have seen a lot of people that I have placed value in just because success, they're riding on the curtails of success. I've said, man, they've got to be doing something right. And the truth is, they just are abusing the talents that God's given them and they're using it for their own gain. Now, this doesn't mean I need to be like, whoa, I don't need to go and listen to what anybody says, but I should check what's being said. I've challenged people all the time. Don't just take my word for it. Go look for it. Go go, get into the word. Look at what the word of God says. See if I'm right. See if I'm wrong. And you know what the truth is? I get it wrong sometimes. And I have had people over the years come and go, hey, Jim, I think that was out of context. You know, I, I joke all the time. I've used words from the platform before that were inappropriate that I just I didn't know they were inappropriate. In case you guys are not aware, and I think most of you in the room know me well enough to know I am not super cultured, right? I mean, uh I I don't know a lot about what's happening. And so, uh I don't know who's singing on the radio today, you know, uh, uh I still recognize music from the '90s and the early 2000s. So uh, somebody's talking about um, uh, Cardi B. Cardi Cardi B. Cardi B. Is that anyway? I, I don't know. My kids were like, "Yeah, Cardi B said that." Who's Cardi B? You know, I don't know. And I I just say that to say, like, I just, I I just, and maybe this is just part of getting older. You stop caring. Because can I tell you, it takes a lot of effort to try to keep up with this stuff. I mean, like, and most of it I'm not interested in, you know. Now, am I cultured when it comes to, things that are sci-fi and superheroes, of course, because those are the things that I'm passionate about, right? Um, My father-in-law, he's cultured when it comes to things that are sports-related, right? Uh, He was at our lead team meeting. He was in town the other day at our lead team meeting, and, you know, there's like, what, 18 of us sitting around the table and and he just happened to be in town. He's like, hey, I'm done with this month's Sports Illustrated and he knows I don't care about it. And he's like, is there anybody in the room that would want it? And I was like, I think he came up to me and Robert. And we were both like, uh, or was it me and Mark? Yeah, and we were both like, uh... Hmm, uh, I don't know. You can go and maybe ask. And I think it was me and Robert, and I sent him over to Mark. And Mark was like, no. Because <laughs> I was like, and that's fine. I mean, it's okay. But, but my point is, like, to be cultured in all things is a really difficult, it's difficult, right? But if you want to speak on something, Right? You sh- or if you want to be influenced by something You should be ready to go and research it To see if what they're saying is right So let's look here in Philippians chapter 3 We're going to begin in verse 1 And this is what he says So he's, he's, kinda, he's coming to some final thoughts here He says finally my brothers rejoice in the Lord To write the same thing to you is no trouble to me And is safe for you I, I think this is really great I put this verse in there Just to give you a little bit of perspective That Paul feels like a lot of what he's saying He says over and over right? You ever, you ever feel like somebody's saying something to you over and over? Do you ever feel like you say something to somebody over and over? Like there's a little bit of a shift that takes place. There was a time in my life where I felt like people were saying the same thing to me over and over and over and I would be like, I've got it. You don't have to say it anymore. And now my kids feel that way when I'm talking to them and they'll go, dad, you've said it a hundred times. And I'm just going to start qu- quoting Philippians chapter three, verse one. And I want to let them know that it is no trouble for me to say it over and over and it is safe for you right so it's okay to hear the same thing a few times right okay and so he goes in now now there's a there's a, there's something that's happening in the in this new christian church and that is that you have a lot of jews that are converting in fact the primary initial Force of believers were people who grew up as Jews and they were looking for the Messiah and they accept that Jesus is the Messiah, okay? So they accept Jesus being the Messiah and there are some old habits, some old ways of thinking that are really hard for them to get rid of and one of those is the... uh, 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 The idea of, uh, my mind just went blank. I hate when that happens. Uh, Of uh, circumcision. Wow. (laughs) I was thinking about how terrible how terrible this conversation is so so, so they're telling that there's a group of these converted Jews that are like listen you're a Christian so you need to be marked and you need to go and get circumcised so obviously this is speaking to the men um, and all the women should have said hallelujah amen and the men at the time are going "Ah, the whole reason I became a Christian was so I didn't have to be circumcised right and uh, so you've got these people who are they were not Jews They were uh, outside of the fold. And Paul has been sharing the gospel with them. And so now these are grown men, not babies, that are coming to know Jesus. And you have a group of Jewish men now converted going, listen, we're glad that you're Christians, but you need to look like we look, right? And so he comes here in verse 2, and this is what he says. He says, look out for the dogs, look out for the evildoers, look out for those who mutilate the flesh, right? And this idea of dogs and evildoers is really quite clever on Paul's part because this is actually what the uh, Jews would refer to uh, people who were walking in heresy as. So a person who was a Jew and saw somebody who was teaching incorrectly or, or was wrong, they would call them a dog, right? You're not a believer, so you're a dog. You're an evildoer. And, and he, says, he says, you need to watch out. You need to look out for these people, right? And, and, and why is that? Uh, he's going he's gonna to lay out his argument here, but I think that it, it really is that uh, it boils down to is he's saying don't try to look like something that you're not, right? Because it's easier to cut flesh than it is to get rid of bad habits, to correct belief systems that you've allowed over time to be corrupted. Can I tell you, it's easier to cut a piece of flesh than it is to go... And take control of an addiction than it is to look at somebody who you love and you have invested time in your life with and have to say, you're not lining up with the word of God. That's a difficult thing. It's not easy. Right? And he says, it would be easier for some to do this. And he says, can I tell you, you don't need to look like they look. Right? And he goes on uh, here, right? Cutting flesh is easier. He goes on in verse three, for we are the circumcision, right? He says, we are the circumcision of the, so you have this Jewish faith, right? We are the ones that have been cut off. That's really cool, isn't it? Like, like, so he says, uh, of of the thousands of years from the time that God established creation and brought forth uh, Noah and then Abraham and then the Jewish faith is birthed, now among the church, he has performed a circumcision and the life, right, is in the circumcision. The life is in us. We have been separated And that's a really beautiful and powerful thing when you begin to think about what Paul is saying. He says, who worship by the spirit of God and glory in Christ Jesus and put no confidence in the flesh. He says, we are different. Why? Because you see, the Jews, they're bound to the law. They have to live a life of doing what's right and not doing what's wrong in order to somehow secure their salvation and he says that we aren't bound to that, that we've been set apart and that where? That, that what? Our, we glory in Christ Jesus, right? And we put no confidence in the flesh. So he begins this really cool argument about what it looks like to be confident right here. He says, we don't put, conf, we don't put any confidence in what man's expectations are. We don't put confidence in our ability to do what's right Versus what's wrong He says like we can be as You can be as good as you can be And it's not going to be enough So don't put confidence in it Don't put confidence in what you're capable of doing Because it's not going to measure up You're not going to hit the mark And, and we've been separated to reveal this To all of humanity that, that Jesus had to come And he had to die And so our confidence should not be In our talents and our abilities Right he says that we can't help but look at who they are and what they have done, but we can't be like them. Why, why is that? Naturally inside of us, we want to lump people into groups. We want to look at what they're capable of and then we want to put ourselves into that group. We look at people who are, uh, do what we do at work, right? And what do we do? We look at what they're capable of. And when review time comes, what's going through our mind is, how did I perform against how they performed, Right? When, when it comes to, to being a musician or, or a singer, right, and wanting to get out there and, 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 and make your mark, what, what are you doing? You, you realize that, that there's such a small percentage that are going to make it, and they're going to make it big. And so, so am I as good as they are? Am I better than they are? Do I have that little something that's different from everybody else? I mean, this is just what we do. We pull these categories in and we begin to measure ourselves up against it. And, and Paul says, don't put confidence in those things. Don't put confidence in, in the measurements that you have. Those are measurements of the, the flesh because they often bring shame and they often bring envy. Because what happens is, and can I tell you, like, like I can be guilty of this. I can look at what another husband is doing and think, man, I, I don't do it as good as they do it. And what's the immediate response to that? Shame or envy? I either begin to feel shame that I'm not as good as somebody else for whatever reason or I begin to envy what they do and how they do, right? Moms can do this. They can begin to compare and measure themselves up to other moms. Maybe you're single and you're out there dating and you know, you're know you thinking to yourself like, like, how can I measure up to everybody else that's out here? Why would they choose me? And it becomes just this natural thing. And what, what comes on the other side of that, it, for most people, is not like a charging out the gate feeling. It is a lot of shame and a lot of envy. Until you hit your stride and all of a sudden things are working out, and then you've got some confidence. But the truth is that deep inside there are holes. This is why you can look at some of the most Wealthy and successful people on the planet, and they get asked the question: You know, now that you're finding success, are you happy? How does it feel? And they, you just time and time again. I mean, money doesn't get rid of the depression. Money hasn't gotten rid of the anxiety. Fame hasn't gotten rid of it. This is why we see celebrities. Right? You'd think that a celebrity who has somebody who's made it and they've got all the money in the world, and yet they commit suicide. It's because money can't buy happiness. It can't fill those voids. And so they can be as confident as they want to be. But if they're confident in the wrong source, it's never going to bring fulfillment. It's never going to measure up. Verse 4. This is where he goes. He says, though... I myself, so, so if you want to measure, if you want to look at what people are capable of doing, and specifically, let's talk about these, these, these other believers, right? These Jews that are coming and saying these things for you. He says, I, he says, though I myself have reason for confidence in the flesh, also, if anyone else thinks he has reason for confidence in the flesh, he says, I have more, right? Now, can I tell you, if you aren't a super confident person in the room and somebody's saying this to you, you're going to be like whatever dude right but 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 if you're a cocky cocky individual i hope that's an appropriate word i have no idea if you're an arrogant individual right and you're sitting there and you've got confidence and somebody goes i'm better than you are dude it it can light a fire under you right i have areas of my life that i'm like oh oh no you did not you did not you put the dare on the table the challenge is out there it's on right and and for some that becomes the driving force right and, and he says, he says, I have more of a reason than you have, circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, as to the law, a Pharisee, as to zeal, a persecutor of the church, as to righteousness under the law, blameless. This is what he says, some of us need to lose our confidence because if we're confident in all of the things that we've achieved then our confidence will fail us. Do you know why this is so important for this group tonight? Is that if we're going to be the church in this neighborhood, if we're going to be the church where we work, can I tell you 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 will never save one person. It doesn't matter what you're capable of. You do not have the capacity to save somebody. Only Jesus can. Only Jesus can. So what are you living for? Why do you exist? Is it to find success, success in work, fulfillness in the thing that you are passionate about? Or do you believe that the talents, skills, and the provision that God has set before you is so that you can advance the kingdom of heaven? So that you can do the work of your father in heaven? Because if that's the case, right, then somewhere inside of us, we have to have a measure of humility and if we don't have a measure of humility I can tell you we might find success in the world but we will never find success when it comes to things that are eternal watch how he wraps up the rest of this text here uh, beginning in verse 7 with a countdown behind it is that how it's gonna be people really three minutes uh, <laughs> They're setting me up for success. But whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. This is where he goes. Whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish. Now, maybe you've been around the church for a little bit but this word rubbish gets translated to the word rubbish because it's it's yeah, it's doo-doo. It's dookie. You know, it's it's uh, it's a it's a it's a poop reference right here. All right, and and so maybe that makes you uncomfortable. Maybe it makes you giggle. I think most of us it makes us giggle. But uh, he says that I count all of the things that I've that I have found as success. Do, do you understand what that what that looks like? He says all of these things that I have measured as success in my life I can put no confidence in because they are nothing but waste. They are waste in my life, right? He says, in order that I may gain Christ, it's an eternal perspective that drives us to Christ and where we place our confidence, and he found in him not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith. Right, so it depends on my faith that I may know Him and the power of His resurrection, and may share His sufferings, becoming like Him in His death, that by any means possible I may attain the resurrection. From the dead. This is what Paul says. Paul, I'm just, just to summarize it, just to make this really simple for you here today. Paul says this. He says that, that, that I don't mind saying this to you again and again and again because it's good for you. And so I'll say it once more. If you are confident in what you are capable of doing, it will always fail you. But if you will find confidence in the power, Of the resurrected Son of God You will not know defeat Now there's some confidence to be had There's some confidence to be had When we pair the purpose of our lives To the confidence that we should have And my thoughts are this My confidence in Him Is the building blocks of my faith my confidence in Christ, that confidence becomes the very building blocks of my faith. And as I and this is what I was thinking about during worship, right? We're singing these songs about, about how, right, like, like he loves me so much that he would come and and he would he would kick a what does it say, kick down a door, kick down a wall, kick down a mountain, a wall? I mean, what is he not gonna kick down, right? What's he not gonna do to get to me, right? He's willing to do, in the midst of my lies and in the midst of my deceit, he's coming after me, right? And then we sing songs about our declaration for him. And and I think, like, we're in here in worship, and I'm thinking, like, how many people actually, like, really believe that Jesus is the only way? It made me think of the song that we sang when uh, I was in maybe like junior high or high school. Uh, I'll butcher it, I'm sure. That's um, why I'm not on the praise team yet. Um, but it goes, uh, my hope is in you, Lord, and my strength is in you, Lord. Right? What, what does that mean? That, that my hope is in who? Jesus. My hope isn't in me. My hope isn't in my ability to... to plant a 720 on a half pipe I'll kill myself right it's just not happening it'd be funny to watch maybe that should be our next video Quinn instead of uh me playing a video game me dropping in on a half pipe uh right right people would enjoy this but but there's no hope in that right can I tell you my my hope can't be in pastoring this church my hope can't be in the favor of God on my life right I can't place hope in what I get and what happens for me. I can only place my hope in him. My confidence is in him. Do you know what? It, it, it might be true that God made a way for this building to exist and for you to sit in these seats. But if I don't stay focused on him and I turn and begin to focus on what he's done, I will miss the best that's yet to come. And I believe that there is better for this city. And I believe that me And my uh, uh, children and the generations that follow, should Jesus wait, will get to be a part of that better if I'll keep my eyes on him and my confidence in the cross. Let's take a moment and just close in prayer. Father, I pray that tonight um, the word confident would be just, just written on our hearts for a few days. That we would be in a place where we would uh, be evaluating the areas of confidence in our lives. Where are we placing our confidence? And then I pray that your convicting spirit would bring to light those areas where our confidence is misplaced. Because it's in those places that we aren't getting the maximum potential, that we aren't reaching to the greatest power. Just like David said, you already know everything in me, but search me. See if there's any way in me that needs a, a transition and a change, a redirect. And when it comes to my confidence, allow my heart to be turned towards the cross. And I pray that we would be people who would boast in the cross who would declare that the things that are good and the accomplishments that we experience are a result of the cross, a result of the price that Christ made. We love you and we praise you. Thank you so much for your great faithfulness in our lives. Amen and amen.